Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Self Made with D. Brown CEO. My next guest was born in Pascagoula, Mississippi. He was raised in Moss Point, Mississippi. He graduated from Moss Point High School, the University of South Alabama, and the Florida State University College of Law. He is the managing partner of the Cochrane firm Mississippi Delta, located in Grenada, Mississippi. In July of 2017, he was appointed as the first African-American uh, judge pro tem for Clarksdale, Mississippi. In May of 2020, he was named the first African-American municipal judge pro tem for Grenada, Mississippi. He's a very active member of the Bar Association, also the American Bar Association, National Bar Association, American Association of Justice, the Mississippi Bar Association, Magnolia Bar Association, Mississippi Association of Justice, and the Grenada County Bar Association. He has held several positions in the National Bar Association, Vice President, Deputy General Counsel, Deputy Chief of Staff, Region 5 Director, Board Member at Large, and Chairman of the Young Lawyers Division. In 2011, after completing three years on the Mississippi Bar Ethics Committee, he was elected by his peers to serve a three-year term as the Commissioner of the Governing Board of the Mississippi Bar, which regulates all lawyers in the state of Mississippi. In addition to his Bar Association work, he is very active in his community. Besides being a 2010 graduate of Leadership Grenada, he is a member of the Grenada Rotary Club, Grenada Chamber of Commerce, 100 Black Men of Grenada, which he was the president and founder, a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, the Million Dollar Advocate Forum, just to name a few. He's a board member and founding chair of the Grenada Unit of the Boys and Girls Club of the Mississippi Delta. Licensed to practice before the state and federal courts in Mississippi and Tennessee, as well as before the United States Supreme Court, he is the recipient of many honors, including being named the 2007-2008 Outstanding Young Lawyer of Mississippi by the Mississippi Bar Young Lawyer Division, first African-American ever to receive the award in his 26-year history and being named in 1998 as an Outstanding Young Man of America. His greatest accomplishment and title to date is being the proud father of his daughter, Avery Nicole. Help me welcome the seventh, 79th president of the National Bar Association and my fraternity brother, Judge Carlos Moore, to Self Made. Carlos, glad to have you on, on Self Made with D. Brown, CEO. Thanks, D. Glad to be here. Absolutely. You have, obviously, uh, a very storied career. Uh, but you you come you come from very humble uh, humble beginnings, right? So, tell me a little bit bit about your childhood growing up in Moss Point, Mississippi. Yeah, I was born um, in February, about a month uh, the uh, next month, of course. Um, born to a single mother, um, and she tells me tells me her story. She told me she cried the fir the very first day I was born. Uh, she didn't know how she was going to raise me. I mean, she's born a teenager. Single mother, her mother was dead. She couldn't depend on her mother to help raise me because she died when she was 17. My mother had me at 19. And so she said she gave her life to Christ that night and said, Lord, if you help me raise this son, uh, I'll turn him over to you and, and, and serve you the rest of my life. And that's what she did. She raised me in the church. Um, and she eventually married my stepfather, who had eventually adopted me at three years of age. Uh, but God turned everything around from her prayer on that first night I was born. Yeah, um, I can relate to that story. I was born uh, to a single mother as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, never had a relationship with my father. So uh, she had to figure it out on her own with the help of my, my, my uh, grandparents. And so um, that's always a challenging situation for uh, women when they have to uh, raise a child on, on their own. Uh, you've done very uh, well in life. Um, you've, you've gone to the top of the legal uh, uh, profession, uh, being a uh, basically uh, nationally renowned uh, 
attorney, as well as the president of the National Bar Association, and you've had a number of accolades. When did you first uh, decide that you want to be a lawyer? Yeah, I think I first decided I wanted to be a lawyer around age five or six. That's when I first taught my parents. Uh, I was watching Matlock and Perry Mason and yeah. eventually L.A. Law, yeah. and I saw Blair Underwood there. I said, I could do that. And um, uh, a few years later, as a teenager, I watched Johnny Cochran uh, yeah. defend in the trial of the century O.J. Simpson and get him get him off. So I knew probably at five or six I wanted to be a lawyer. It's pretty interesting. Now you are a managing partner of the Cochran firm. Um, so you, you, you left uh, Moss Point. Uh, went to undergrad in, in, in Alabama and owned a law school at the Florida State University College of Law. Uh, tell me about your time at Florida State and what kind of challenges did you have going to law school? Because I do, do understand that you were a obviously first generation uh, college student and law student. Yeah, uh, law school, the first year of law school was the toughest academic experience I had ever had. Uh, I didn't have anybody to turn to that was a lawyer in my family or I didn't know many lawyers, period. So I didn't really know what to prepare. Um, I think I made it through by making relationships and friendships with the upperclassmen, specifically the members of the Black Law Students Association at Florida State. They passed down outlines and notes from the professors that I had. And so between my study with my classmates and, and depending on the upperclassmen and taking my own notes and, and praying a lot, I survived the uh, three years of, of law school. Uh, but had I had uh, folks to depend on, I probably could have done better. But uh, I did the best I could do, yeah. and uh, of course, I wasn't the top of my class, but I graduated. Right, and that's all that counted at the end of the day. So, you know, statistically speaking, uh, being born to a single mother, single mother like you and I uh, were, um, being first generation uh, to graduate from college, first generation to graduate from law school, uh, statistically, the odds are against you to actually be uh, successful. Uh, coming out of those type of situations. So why do you think you were um, able to persevere? You know, I think it goes back to that first uh, thing. My, my mom kept her word. She raised me in the church. Her and my stepdad raised me in the church. I was probably in the church five days out of seven days a week. And yeah. so uh, I had a strong uh, ethic, moral, moral compass. Um, and they always taught me to believe in God. And I believed in myself. And I yeah. thought if I uh, dreamed it or I thought I could do it, I, I'll get out there and work hard and, and try to become it. Yeah. So uh, you are the 79th president of the National Bar Association. And I'm a proud member of your cabinet, serving as your national policy advisor on public-private partnerships and urban redevelopment. Uh, the National Bar Association, which was founded in 1925, is the largest network of uh, African-American judges and lawyers in the country. Uh, representing the interests of more than 65,000 members. Uh, what are your main focuses during your administration that you want to see accomplished? The our theme this year is stand up, NBA, strong, tenacious advocacy for a new deal uplifting our people. And so right now we are intent on securing and advancing voting rights for our people. The Voting Rights Act was gutted about 10 years ago by the U.S. Supreme Court, and so we definitely have to have the passage of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, the Freedom to Vote Act, and so we are fighting day in and day out. It's right now styled in the Senate, but we hope springs eternal, and we'll keep fighting until we get what we need. We also need some criminal justice reform. We need police accountability. Uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is also styled, but we continue to fight and push for that. We won't give up until uh, some version of that passes our Congress. And so there are several things. We're looking at uh, racial equity, uh, dealing with the healthcare system. We know during COVID, uh, some of the inequities have been pronounced, and we are fighting every day to make sure that our people get access to uh, good healthcare. Yeah, and so uh, obviously social justice, criminal justice reform, 
as well as the Voting Rights Act uh, reform are all major topics uh, of discussion, I think, around the country, and particularly uh, of big interest to uh, communities of color uh, because there are some serious concerns there. Um, talk to me more about, as, on the social justice side, what do you want to try to push from a, an agenda perspective that you would like to see happen? You know, on the social justice front, I think we have to stop having a black men and women killed with uh, impunity. We have to put some regulations in place. And so there, we're fighting for that. We're also, this year, highlighting the need for reparations. We're calling for it, I believe, after 402 years of not receiving it. Uh, it's high time for us to get it. And so we're having a reparations forum in March in Houston. And we're supporting H.R. 40 uh, that uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee is chairing. Uh, we believe reparations are, are not uh, something that's uh, far-fetched. We believe we can get it. We're going to make a strong case for it. Um, I'm also about economic equality, economic parity. Uh, Dr. King fought for social justice, civil rights and all, but he also had an economic uh, parity piece. That was the fourth leg of his uh, four-point agenda. And so we're focusing on uh, doing things to improve uh, the economic situation for black lawyers and judges as well as black Americans, period. So I have a, a venture capitalist, uh, private equity guys advising us, we believe that not only is the traditional real estate uh, method a good way to raise uh, the economic uh, quality of life for African Americans, but we believe if we get access to the venture capital world, the tech startup world, that we can really do some things to, to change the uh, dynamics for African Americans. Yeah, so there's obviously a, a big wealth gap uh, between African Americans and uh, uh, non-African Americans in this, in this country. So that's something that I think um, uh, we should really put a lot of focus on. We, um, I know that you are the judge pro tem in both Clarksdale and, and uh, Grenada, Mississippi. How are you, how are you using uh, that platform to make a difference in those communities? You know, uh, for my very first day on the bench in Clarksdale in July of 2017, I took down the state flag out of my courtroom because it bore the Confederate emblem. And since that time, I have started the Do Better ASAP program. It's an alternative sentencing accountability program where I encourage first-time offenders, youthful offenders, and nonviolent offenders to do better ASAP. And instead of giving them a traditional jail sentence or a traditional fine, I create a sentence that's going to better them as an individual and also help society. So I may have them to get their GED, complete high school, get admitted to college or uh, a university, a trade school. I may have them to register to vote. Uh, I may have them to research and do my essay on the importance of a vaccine. I had one young lady that was a afraid to take the vaccine for COVID. She did her research and found that it was safe and took the vaccines. Not only did that save her, her life, uh, but she also didn't get a fine in her jail time. And so yeah. we're trying to do things to make people better uh, and keep them out of the system and have restorative justice, compassionate justice. So we temper justice with, with mercy. Right, right. And, and that's, um, I think that's an important uh, model for this country because um, sometimes the, the, the criminal codes as written uh, don't always fit the circumstances. So there's typically, um, when you just go by just what's written and you try to apply it you, you know, across the board uh, without any uh, mercy or compassion or applying any, any of the facts uh, surrounding the circumstances, it, it tends to end up in a lot of injustices and inequities and things of that nature. So I think that's very, very powerful work you're doing there. Uh, you're also the managing partner of the Cochrane firm, uh, Mississippi Delta. Uh, tell me a little bit about your practice there, you know, what, what your focus is and a little bit about your firm. Well, I'm with the Cochrane firm. So we have over 30 offices across the nation, one of the largest minority-led firms in, in the country. I do a lot of civil rights, police brutality cases. 
employment discrimination cases representing plaintiffs, victims. Uh, we also do criminal defense and then personal injury. Uh, yeah. So those that just car accidents, trucking accidents type. Now you also are an author, right? So you, you wrote a book entitled uh, The Five Brothers, uh, Our Successful Journey to uh, Careers in Law and Medicine. And you did that along with uh, four other close friends. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, your book and uh, where we can get it. Yeah, all of us had interesting stories. None of us were um, had parents or anything that went to college ahead of us. So we first generation uh, lawyers or doctors or judges. And so uh, we became great friends and we thought we would tell uh, the masses uh, how we uh, became uh, the successes. It was nothing special about us. And we felt like if we told them how we did it, uh, they could do it too. Yeah. And so it's been a great. So as, as it relates to that story, what's the, the main takeaway from when, when you're trying to explain to someone why uh, or how you became successful? I think they saw various uh, circumstances surrounding us. Uh, some were immigrants. One guy grew up, the doctor, he grew up in Jamaica. I mean, uh -huh. feeding pigs at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, he grew up very hard. His daddy was very hard on him. And you never would have expected him to be one of the most successful doctors in Las Vegas now. Another, his parents came from the Bahamas and uh, Nicaragua, uh, first generation uh, American. And he's done well. Uh, Daddy was just a cook in the Navy or whatever. Nothing really special about him. But all of us, another guy had a single mother out of New York. Uh, now, that was one, one with a, uh, a silver spoon in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, but yet and still, his parents got divorced. And that uh, sent him uh, astray for a while. And it, he had to uh, combat that. So all of us yeah. had our various uh, journeys and our various difficulties and challenges. But we all were able to overcome those and, and become successes. Yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, that's the interesting thing about it. So you had all these different variables, uh, some from other countries, some from the U.S., uh, some from, uh, you know, circumstances that were not necessarily depressed. But then some of you guys coming from, like I say, single mother household, poor communities. But in each instance, we're able to become successful. Uh, I think that it, it shows that in this country. Uh, that's possible regardless of the background that you come from. So I, I, I'm just a big advocate and supporter of of pushing that to our uh, young people. Mm. That it's, it's not really relevant. Uh, your, your circumstances that you come from are not relevant to your, your success or your ability to uh, achieve success. Uh, when you were, uh, uh, after you were sworn in as the 79th president for the National Bar Association, uh, uh, Vice President Harris thanked you uh, or congratulated you on a Zoom call. Uh, how did that make you feel? It made me feel well. She was our guest speaker uh, at our convention. It was a virtual convention, and so she gave remarks from the White House. And I knew she would recognize the current president, but I didn't know she would recognize me as the upcoming president, and so she congratulated me on my election and, and my upcoming tenure, and um, I really felt uh, honored to see that the first black lady to become vice president of the United States would recognize a guy from a small town out of Morrisville, Mississippi with 17,000 folks. Right, right. Um, now, you, as the president of the National Bar, you've done a lot of traveling, uh, really trying to have a, a really big impact on um, your legacy as well as um, uh, the missions and goals of, of, of your administration and, and the organization as a whole. You recently traveled to Africa uh, and Ghana to meet with the president and other government officials. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, that trip. Yeah, that was one of the most uh, consequential trips of my life, uh, going back to the motherland, uh, going to sub-Saharan Africa, um, and then meeting with the president and the uh, 
chief justice and the attorney general of that country, uh, and then going to the slave dungeons and all of that, that's really left an indelible mark on my life. Uh, I'm trying to connect African-Americans and Africans of, uh, of people of African descent across the world together. And so that was one of the key cogs in my mission. And so he's asked us to come back home and invest in, in the motherland, specifically Ghana. And that's what we intend on doing. And then we're trying to not only seek reparations for African-Americans, but for those victims of colonialism across the world. Okay. And so what, what steps are you taking, I guess, to try to push that agenda forward? We will be going back as, as needed. And so we're going to take different delegations of business people, lawyers. Uh, we have, of course, our economic advisor. They want us to invest in the real estate. The infrastructure over there is, is subpar. They need uh, more roads and bridges um, and they need uh, tons of housing. So people in the real estate world like yourself could uh, really do well over there. And um, we doing. We're trying to give them access to the startup market here in the U.S. And so we have an Africa Fund. Uh, we are uh, leading and having folks invest in. And so we'll continue to do whatever we can to uh, not only help Ghana, but we'll be going to Nigeria, yeah. Gambia, and Liberia in April of this year. So okay. we intend on doing this across Africa. So, talk to me about um, the person or persons that have been most influential in your life. Who have you? I guess, looked at and, and used as a guide, role model, or, or inspiration to get to where you are today? Uh, I always tell folks my mother has been the wind beneath my wings. I would not be where I am without her. She donated, uh, gave me 35000 to start my firm in 2006. I was working for another firm. She retired, had a lump sum of money, and gave me a portion of it without a loan, just gave it as a gift. Uh, of course, being the son that I am, I had to, I didn't feel comfortable just taking her money that she had worked 28 years for, so I gave it back to her in three years after practicing. But besides her, people in the legal profession, I would say I've been inspired, of course, by Johnny Cochran, yeah. uh, Thurgood Marshall, who was the first black Supreme Court justice, and then Barack Obama. When I left high school, if you read my high school uh, yearbook, I said I want to become the first black governor of Mississippi. And that still may be a possibility, but Barack Obama and Kamala Harris have made me even dream bigger yeah. uh, than governor of Mississippi. Well, you know, um, one thing we, we, we know about this country, anything is possible. And if we uh, put our minds to it and, and stick to it, we can make it happen. Uh, and you've done a lot, of, a lot of big things, a lot of achievements, a lot of accomplishments. Too many for me to read out in, you know, during your, uh, your opening uh, bio. But uh, out of all the accomplishments and achievements that you've had, what do you consider to be your, your biggest? My biggest accomplishment, you know, I worked very hard to become president of the National Bar Association. I had to run three times, but I was intent on fulfilling that dream that I formed over 20 years ago. But I wouldn't even say that's my biggest accomplishment, being the first one from Mississippi in the 97-year history. I think my greatest accomplishment is being the father of Avery Nicole Moore. I mean, that is my, my pride and joy. And yeah. if I can help create uh, a successful path for her to become a, a viable member of society, that would be my greatest uh, contribution to society. Yeah, I think we all have that, um, the part of us that, that recognize and understand that, um, that that most important part of our legacy is being able to set, to set our children up for success, putting, putting them in a position uh, to succeed. And so uh, has she said what she want to be when she grow up? Have she talked to you about it? She is still considering it. Uh, she likes what I do uh, as a lawyer and a judge. She also likes what her mother does as a nurse practitioner. So I don't know which one she's going to follow. I think uh, she may create her own path. Yeah. Uh, she's very uh, into music. She's, she's a competitive swimmer. Um, uh, she stays in the mirror. She could be a model, so I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know what? We'll put her in a Deep Brown CEO fashion show if she decides she wants to start modeling in the future. I think she would love to walk the runway. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's talk about the future. What do you see 
in the future for yourself. Your, your term in the National Bar Association will be concluding uh, this summer, right? Yes. And, and, and so obviously you'll be, I know, you'll be looking for the next uh, milestones. So what do you see in the future? You know, I, I really don't know. Uh, there are several paths I could take. Uh, I've had a few uh, inquiries about becoming a TV judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I may follow that path. Uh, I may go into politics. Um, I feel that my path as a day-to-day lawyer is going to come to an end at some point. Yeah. So I think I will either be in politics in Washington, D.C., or I may be in California, New York, uh, doing television judge. But one or the other, I think I uh, will be doing. Okay. Well, you know, um, there are so many options available for you. You've done so much, and, and obviously you have um, been fortunate to grow your name and your brand to where you're, you're known nationally. Uh, but on this journey from Moss Point to being the, the, the president of the National Bar Association, there had to be obstacles, pitfalls, challenges uh, along the way. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge uh, to get to where you are and how did you overcome it? The biggest challenge to get, to get where I am today is uh, self-doubt. Um, Sometime uh, when obstacles got in the way, uh, you would think that it's not really possible. And I hate to lose. Yeah. So I lost by one vote in 2016 when I first ran for president of the National Bar Association. And I was the favorite to win. That was devastating to have the strength and the motivation and the courage to come back again and try it and not be so afraid of failing again. um, That was the biggest challenge. But people continued to believe in me, my supporters, and, and encouraged me to come back. And then I did come back and lost convincingly the second time. And so, uh, but to have the strength to come back a third time when no one had ever won on the third try, either one on your first or second try, your your chances were gone. You would never become president. But I believed in God. I believed in myself. And I believed that was my destiny. And so to have the strength to come back. And I told him after I lost on the second time, the third time would be the charm. And the third time was the charm. I beat back people handily and beat beat them convincingly. And so the biggest takeaway from that is never, ever give up. If you never, ever quit, you will win. Right, right. Well, you know, um, I have a a saying and I didn't. Uh, I'm not the originator of the saying, but but I would say I say it all the time. The person who thinks he can and the person who thinks he can't typically both of them are right. You know, so I say that to say that failures are part of the process. Uh, unfortunately, people look at failures as um, as something that's really negative. But we learn from our failures. Uh, our failures, failures help define who we are uh, as a person. And, 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 and those failures set us up for our next success. And so oftentimes, people don't run the third time. People don't run the second time, or sometimes not even the first time, because they are afraid that they will fail or how they will look when they fail or what people will say about them when they fail. And so they do not take that opportunity to really um, take advantage of those opportunities. And so I think the big takeaway from this is that there are so many opportunities to be successful in this country. And the ones who are gonna be successful are gonna be the ones who are not afraid to take advantage of those opportunities. And I think it's important that we help push that message from your position and my position to people, and especially young people who are out there trying to find their way, trying to chart the course, uh, who may be afraid of taking risks, who may be afraid of failing, mm. to, to understand that it's, it's okay that you can fail, you can get up, you can dust yourself off, and you can, you can start over again and, and still be successful and be super successful. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't stop there. So you talked about uh, potentially wanting to be uh, a TV judge. Uh, and I know you're a judge in real life, 
and, and I've, I've seen some of your posts about your sentencing and it seemed TV worthy. So uh, uh, what's your goal there? I mean, are you, is that something you, you're seriously considering? I am seriously considering it. Uh, a lot of folks find it uh, uh, ironic that a young black man uh, is, a, is a real judge. You don't really see people of my, in my generation that's judges. And so I want to spread that uh, the more, I mean, why have a Steve Harvey uh, acting as a judge when you have a real judge that could actually, that's qualified, went to law school and is doing this, has done this for nearly five years to re really be out there. And I think that's even more inspiring to the young people that yeah. they can not only be an entertainer or athlete, but they can be a lawyer, they can be a judge, they can make a difference. I want to help spread the word about the Do Better ASAP program and, and encourage more folks to um, get out there and the other judges across the, the country and around the world to give people a second chance. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say the best question for last. And of course, we're fraternity brothers. Uh, I'm a proud member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, just like you. And uh, I always tell people that being um, a member of the organization has been instrumental to me, both socially and professionally. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome way to network. Uh, how has being a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated uh, played a role in your life? Yeah, of course, it's the greatest fraternity uh, known to man, and so I'm privileged to be, as you are, a member of the fraternity. But I, I joined the fraternity in part because of its focus on achievement yeah. and every uh, interest of human endeavor. And so um, I've tried to, and I've had so many people in the fraternity have been great people to be mentors to me. Uh, my mentor in college uh, and law school uh, was a Kappa, and so it's been very instrumental in my success in my career. Uh, we do business together and try to support each other. And it's a real brotherhood. It's a bond yeah. like no other. No, no doubt about it. As you said, greatest fraternity in the world. Carlos, I appreciate you being on Self Made with D. Brown CEO. Thank you all for watching. Without you, there's no me.